In verse 27 to 30, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Let's pray. We come to you, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and ask once again, O God Most High, that you would bless us with your light from heaven to understand and to feel these sweet truths. Lord, may they bless us as we contemplate the Christ of our salvation. May our hearts rise to him. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Does the death of the good shepherd in any way put his sheep in danger? No, the death of the shepherd is the very means by which the shepherd secures the life of his sheep. He says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Again in verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. He dies but he rises again. He lays down his life and he takes it again. This power he has been given, this command he has received from his father. And by the laying down of his life, he secures our salvation. By the taking up of his life, he assures us of its finished work. In verse 28 then, this good shepherd is able to speak with majestic certainty. He speaks in the light of everything that he knows he is going to accomplish. I give to my sheep eternal life, he says, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Now, there are three declarations in that one majestic statement. Uh, they really hold together. They are interlocking realities. The good shepherd gives his sheep eternal life. The good shepherd gives us the promise that they shall never perish. And the good shepherd provides the firm assurance, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. This is Christ's promise then, Christ's assurance, Christ's word to his sheep. They're described in verse 27. They hear his voice, he knows them, and they follow him. If you answer that description, then Christ has given you eternal life. He has promised that you shall never perish. He has assured you that no one shall snatch them out and that snatch you out of his hand. Now it's important that we hold together verse 27 and verse 28 because otherwise it would be possible for somebody to say, oh, I'm a Christian then, so, so I can do what I like, I can live as I please, that once I, I've got some kind of outward attachment to Jesus Christ, nothing else matters, everything's going to work out okay. 
No, that would be entirely the wrong conclusion to draw. There is no excuse for indulgence in these promises. There's no opening of the door to godless living. The sheep of Christ are the ones who hear his voice. The word of God has come to them. The the Christ has spoken to them through the scriptures and by his spirit. They've heard the voice of the Lord Jesus calling them to himself to put their faith in him. He knows them. His love has been set upon them. They are now in communion with him and they are following in his footsteps. They are obedient people. They are an increasingly holy people. And so there is no excuse here. There's no open door to any kind of wickedness. When I say it would be possible to come to that conclusion, it would be the the possibility of a twisted and a darkened mind. Because we're told very plainly, uh, by uh, plain word and by clear implication, that those who belong to Christ are living in holiness. And for those then who have this life in Christ, Christ assures them of the gracious gift, gives them the sweet promise and offers this firm assurance. I give these sheep eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Consider with me first of all the gracious gift which the good shepherd bestows upon his sheep. I give them eternal life. That, first of all, makes very plain to us that we need this gift, does it not? Why do you need eternal life? Because you are dead in your trespasses and sins by nature. Why do you need salvation? Because you are condemned by God on account of your sin. Why should this be bestowed upon you? Because without it, you will not have life and you cannot obtain life. My friends, unless the good shepherd had given us life, we would have remained in the shadow. Unless the good shepherd had bestowed upon us this favour, there is no way we could have received it. We could not have climbed up to it. We could not have grasped it for ourselves. We needed this gift. And it is indeed a gift I give them eternal life. It is not merited by us. It is not earned by us. It is bestowed upon us. I don't know if anybody's already thinking about Christmas or if that just puts a shudder down a hundred spines or whatever it may be. But what would you do if you had to start earning your gifts now? You boys and girls, if you thought, well, if I want anything on Christmas morning when dad and mum give me my presents... I better start paying them off at this point. That's functionally what we're supposed to do with uh, Santa, isn't it? You know, have I been good enough in order to get the gifts? This is not that kind of nonsense. This is not that kind of emptiness. This is not a, a, a favour earned. This is a gift bestowed. This is a mercy that is granted. And that's most encouraging because if you had to earn it, maybe you couldn't pay enough. If you had to merit it, maybe you wouldn't be doing well enough. If you'd bought it off somebody, maybe they could get it back from you. But this is a gift that is given in love. This is something that is granted and therefore cannot be lost or forfeited because you never earned it in the first place and so you cannot lose it for yourself. 
then think of the nature of this gift of eternal life. This spiritual life for your soul. This communion with God. This divine favour. You know I hope that you have a soul that will never die. You know that God has constituted you as a man made in his image, male and female, with an undying soul in this frame. What gift is suitable for an undying soul? Eternal life. You will go on. You will live forever. But you will either exist under the wrath and condemnation of God and your body and your soul will suffer his punishment of your sin. Or you can have this gift of eternal life so that your soul, safe, hidden with Christ in God beyond the reach of harm, enjoys now the life of the world which is to come. The life that is with God. The life of hope and peace and of joy. The life that Christ has given is the life of the heaven that we look forward to. It is life in the new heavens and the new earth. It is a life that is suited for the coming world. Christ has not given us something that, that is beyond or apart from our needing. We have needed a life that will take us out of death and will secure us forever. And Christ has given us the gift of everlasting life. It, is, it has that, that beautiful blend of meanings. It is life without end. But it is not just existence without cessation. It is the life of the age to come which cannot in any way be taken away. And then who gives this gift? Who is its source? I give them eternal life. My friends, that's the great anchor point. That's the assurance. That's the confidence. If anybody else had said this, then we couldn't trust them. If anybody else had tried to offer these promises and assurances, then we could legitimately have said, how can I rely upon this? But we are hearing the voice of the shepherd. You're listening to the one who loved his people and laid down his life for them. You're listening to the man who, having sacrificed himself for your sins, rose again for your justification. You're listening to the words of the Son of God himself. You're listening to the voice of the good shepherd who is faithful and true you're listening to the the one who above all is full of grace and truth whose heart is entirely motivated by love and who speaks to you out of your union with him by faith I myself, says the Lord Jesus, I the good shepherd, I the conqueror of sin and death and hell, I the son of my father and the saviour of my people, I am the one who gives you everlasting life. He'd said this before, given some such assurance in John 6 and verse 46. Not 46, I think 64. No. Nope. 54. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. That means to come to Jesus Christ by faith. I should point out it doesn't mean coming to the Lord's Supper, as if 
uh, by eating and drinking the bread and the wine, somehow that secures everlasting life. It is not the bread, not least because the bread remains bread and doesn't become flesh. Not drinking the wine because the wine remains wine and doesn't become blood. This is the language of faith. This is the language of communion. What we do here is simply a reflection and a testimony of what is taking place here. It is the, the, the communion that we enjoy with Christ by which we have life. And so then the Lord is able to say, I know my people and I give them everlasting life. Do you have the marks of a sheep? Have you heard his voice? Does he know you? Are you following him? Then you have been given everlasting life. You are a sheep of his flock. Have you not yet heard? Then you're hearing this morning, at least with these ears. And I would plead with you to hear now with the ears of your soul. I would plead with you, if you are not yet trusting in Jesus, to come to him now for everlasting life. To believe him as he's presented to you here in the pages of this book. To believe him as I speak to you about this man who can save sinners like us. Not to hold back, not to hold off, not to doubt, not to resist, but to come to Jesus Christ and to follow after him. You cannot have life apart from him, but in him you have everlasting life. Please do not just let these words drift past you again this morning. How can you hear of a Christ like this and not trust him? How can you listen to his voice and not hear him? How can you see the path of life and not follow him? Why is it that some of you are able to sit here week after week after week untouched by this good news, by this great saviour? Now is the time to come to him. Now is the time to trust in him. Now is the day when you may have salvation by Jesus Christ and the souls of all God's people in this building. We are the ones, we have received this from him. We can assure you that if you come to him, he will by no means cast you out. Come to Christ that you may have everlasting life. It is his gift. The only thing that you're doing really is holding out your empty hand. Christ's gift is given to you. And even the strength to reach out is part of the gift that he gives. The gracious gift. I give them eternal life. And with it the sweet promise and they shall never perish. It is emphatic language. These sheep shall by no means forever perish. It is the gift and the calling of God and it is irrevocable. That is, it cannot be called back. My friend, if you've been born again, you cannot be unborn again. You cannot lose the life that God has given to you. The life that is eternal cannot and will not decay. It's hard for us to understand that. What do you have in this world that does not decay? What is so expensive, so magnificent, 
so superb, so hard-wearing and enduring. How many of you wish you could get a pair of shoes that never needed to be resold? (laughs) A computer that doesn't throw up the blue screen of death every so often. Clothes that don't wear out. Is it the cyber truck that's just finally started rolling off the presses? Ah, the indestructible vehicle. Yeah, wait and see how that works out. Even the things that we think are going to last. Some of the most precious things, they're the most fragile, are they not? You, you buy things and you think they'll, they'll go on. That's, that's kind of the, the, the fiction that we're sold, isn't it? Don't worry, this will last. This phone is made of titanium. This thing is made of you know, this particular hardwood. This has been put together by you know, magic elves in a secret kingdom and it will never ever fade or fail. You get your Christmas gifts. How long do they last? Forgotten and broken, some of them, before very long. The gift of everlasting life means that you shall never perish. This life cannot be lost. This life will not decay. This gift will not break. This is a blessing that will not and cannot fade and fail. Now, we know that we live in a world that is full of batterings and bruisings. I don't know if you've you've ever had the privilege of having a new car, or at least a new enough car new to you. Isn't that what we say? Is is it a new car? Well, it's new to me. How many miles on the clock? Oh, about 40,000, yeah. The first ding. Isn't that frustrating? The first time you, you, you nudge that post, the first time you scrape that curb, the first chip from the bit of gravel that flies up into your windscreen. I don't feel like me. If, if you ever have the privilege of that new thing, it's, ah, oh, now, it's, now it's, it's kind of ruined. It's got a mark on it. It's not what it was. My friends, you think of the life we live in this world. How many curbs we bump, how many posts we nudge, how much gravel scratches and scrapes the windows and the paintwork of our lives. We suffer and we stumble, but we shall never perish. We will be bruised and battered. It's possible even that some of us will backslide, but we cannot perish. We shall be tried, we shall be tested, we shall be tempted, but we cannot perish. If the Lord Jesus Christ has given us eternal life, You cannot be lost. You never will be cast out. And it is not possible that you should be condemned. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. However low you are brought, however hard you may find it, however much you may be assaulted, you will be held and you will be restored. Psalm 37 Verse 24, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Is that not a relief to your soul, my brother, my sister? That though you may fall, you shall not be utterly cast down, because the hand of God is underneath you. 
You may lose much in this life, but you cannot lose everlasting life. You may lose everything, including your life in this life, but not the life which God has given you in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I give them eternal life, says the good shepherd of the sheep, and they shall never perish. That's very sweet for us because if I could lose the life that God has given me, I would. If it were left to me or to you in an instant because of our sin and our folly, because of our weakness and our wickedness, we would dash this precious gift to pieces. But God, having given it to us in Christ, preserves it for us. The life that Christ has given you, child of God, is a life that means that death and damnation will never touch you. The second death you will not experience. The horrors of hell you will be forever spared. Jesus has given you eternal life. You shall never perish. You cannot lose this life. It cannot be scraped and scoured away. It is the enduring gift of the God of salvation. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. You've had a sweet promise on the back of the gracious gift and now you've got a firm assurance on the back of the sweet promise, on the back of the gracious gift. It reminds us of the danger that we face. Why does the Lord Jesus need to warn his sheep that no one will snatch them out of his hand? Because there are people who try to snatch you out of his hand. That in itself is a fearful thought. That there are some who are so opposed to Christ and to his kingdom that they will do all in their power to bring down the people of God. We began to read last Lord's Day evening of that man of God, Job, and you saw the, the delight of God the Father in his chosen man, Job. And what was Satan's immediate response? I can take him down. Does Job serve God for nothing? You let me go at him and I'll soon bring him down. I'll soon snatch him away. I'll soon destroy him. Let's see how Job's faith fares. Let's see how Job's love fares. Let's see how Job's hope sustains once I can get my hand on him. Was God being careless when he said to Satan, you may do to him what you will, but you will not touch his body? Had God given up on Job when he said, you may have his body also, but you must not take his life? No. God had said, no one is going to snatch Job out of my hands. He's mine. And no matter how fierce the opposition, no matter how angry the foe, no matter how cruel the assault, Jesus Christ says, I'm the good shepherd of the sheep. They hear my voice, I know them, they follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. You don't have to go far back, do you? I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Verse 8. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. 
Verses 12 and 13. A hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. There's two dangers there, aren't there? There's the wolf who comes to assault the sheep. And there's the hireling you thought was going to protect the sheep and abandons them in their very hour of need. And the good shepherd takes into account both the, the thief and the robber and the hireling and the wolf. The good shepherd knows all about the lion that goes roaring about seeking whom he may devour. The good shepherd knows about the serpent that would strike at his particular seed. My friends, is this not why we often feel precarious? Don't you feel this danger? Haven't you perhaps? Maybe it's happening even now. Pray God that it might not, Lord, spare us from this. But do you not sometimes find that when you're, you're reading and hearing these very words, sometimes when you're preaching these very words, and the devil is there roaring in at you or sneaking up behind you, trying to undermine the very confidences that you ought to have. The devil hates your faith. The devil hates your trust. The devil hates your life. Perhaps you know people constantly sniping, undermining, assaulting, undoing. You may be going home after this service to people who will tell you in effect that it is nonsense and wonder why you're wasting your time on these things. Whether or not it's the battles in your soul or the temptations of your heart or the, the, the foes that all around God's people. You know what it is to feel as if you're trying to be snatched away, brought down. But no one shall snatch them out of my hand. Christ knows the danger we face, but Christ gives us this firm assurance about the security that we have. We are safe in the grip of Jesus Christ. As you work your way through John 10, you know that you're in the fold of the shepherd. That's a good place to be. Walled about with the shepherd, sleeping in the gate to make sure that no one can get in and nothing can get out. You know that you're under his eye. He's watching over you. Here, if you like, is a third level of security. He's got you in his hand. His fingers are locked into the wool of his sheep. Those arms are about you. All that beautiful language, Isaiah 40, for example, of the, the shepherd bearing the lambs of the flock in his arms. You are safe in the grip of none other than the God-man who gave his life for yours. Did you hear how Moses celebrated the security of the people of God when we read from Deuteronomy 33? He loves the people. All his saints are in your hand. They sit down at your feet. Everyone receives your words. What does that sound like? It sounds like my sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. We've already read from Psalm 37 and verse 24. Let me give you Psalm 95 and verse 7. He is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, 
and the sheep of his hand. My friends, the hand is the strength of God. The hand is the seat of God's power. And now you have the voice of the God-man to you. No one shall ever snatch them out of my hand. Which hand? The hand that was going to be pierced for his people. The hand that was going to be nailed to the tree. When you and I look down now at the hands that are underneath us, when we look to the hand that keeps and saves us, it is a nail-pierced hand that holds you fast. Do you think that the Christ who bled for you will lose you now? Do you imagine that the Christ who died for you will let you go simply because someone's now come to try and snatch you out of his hand? Or can you look at the hand of the God-man Jesus Christ and you say, if he's got his hands on me and around me and underneath me, then I can be sure that having conquered at Calvary, no one now will ever be able to snatch me out of his loving grasp. You notice what our Lord does not say. He doesn't say you will be saved from all pain, sorrow and suffering in this world. He does say you will be saved through it. Notice the distinction. Not saved from it. In this world you shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. There are sufferings and sorrows. There are griefs and pains. There are assaults and antagonisms. But Christ says... I've given you life. It is my enduring gift to you. I purchased it at the cross. And now you shall never perish. It is not possible that you forever should perish when I have given you such a gift as this. You're in my hand and no one is able to snatch you out of my hand. To be saved is to be kept. You cannot be saved and then unsaved. You cannot start being saved and then lose this salvation. You cannot receive this gift and then have it taken away. You cannot start living a life without end and find then that it's ended prematurely. You cannot be in the hand of such a saviour as this and then find that someone stronger has come along and has overcome. This is the language of divine goodness. This is the promise of divine faithfulness. This is the assurance of the love and strength of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it means that everyone here believing in him is kept now and forever. Now, I don't know what else some of you need to draw you to Jesus Christ. I've known people who would never say that they were a Christian because they were afraid that they might fall. That's close to blasphemy. One of Christ's and yet lost. One of his and yet insecure. The sheep of his flock and yet unsafe. Perhaps you're fearful of coming to Christ because you don't know if you will stand. My friends, Christ saves his people. 
They stand in him. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be troubled by what may lie ahead of you because Christ has undertaken to give life to his own so that they will never perish, that no one will ever snatch them out of his hand. Who else is going to deliver you? Who else is going to secure you? Who else has the grace and strength to hold you fast for all eternity? This should draw you to Christ and this should keep you near Christ because in his hands all is well. When I am close to the shepherd, I am safe. When I am under his care, I am happy. When I am within the flock of Jesus Christ, when I belong to the church and know the tender mercies of the great shepherd and his under-shepherds, that's where I enjoy my sweetest security and my greatest confidence. Because I know that he gives me eternal life. I know that I shall never perish. I know that no one shall ever snatch me out of his hand. And the closer I am to him, and the more I look to him, and the better I know him, and the more clearly I see him, and the more readily I hear him, and the more fervently I follow him, the more sweetly my confidence rises that I have from him eternal life, and that I and his people here, we shall never perish, and neither shall anyone snatch us out of his hand. How often we're governed by our feelings. We see the wolf and the lion and the bear. And we conclude what? Now we're in trouble. Now we're going to get it. We feel the temptations rise. We feel the assaults of the wicked one. We begin perhaps to tremble. Have you lost sight of the shepherd? You see the wolf. Perhaps you've known what it is to have the hireling flee. The shepherd steps between the wolf and the sheep. The lion comes, as it did in the days of David. The bear comes. What was David able to testify with regard to the sheep and the lambs of his flock? When the lion came, I fought the lion. When the bear came, I bearded the bear. What do you think Jesse might have said? To his beloved son, David. David, why did you risk your life for a lamb? Boy, it's a lion. <laughs> why did you put yourself between the flock and the bear? They're only sheep. David was a shepherd. David was ready to risk his life for the sheep. Jesus is the great shepherd. He gave his life for the sheep. You need to look to the shepherd. You need to learn the heart and the hand of the Christ of God. The fact of the shepherd's saving strength is your confidence as a Christian, he gives the gift of eternal life to all who believe, and they shall never perish, 
and neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My friends, it is him that you must trust to have everlasting life. Brothers and sisters, it is him to whom we are looking and enjoying the security of the saints. It is him to whom we must cling. It is him whom we will now remember. It is his death that we might live, his life on our behalf, his gift for our souls, his hand that holds us fast. Amen.